0: Alright, all right. Day 175. Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. My name is Keith. And remember, this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to see through it and to see God, not to it to primarily look at it and see ourselves. Alright, so... Uh, We're back in Isaiah chapter nine today. Remember, Isaiah is this book that the early church called a fifth gospel. We learn so much about Jesus and the gospel and what will be be revealed in the New Testament from this one book. Right. And so uh, we're in this first section where Isaiah sees this vision And he's proclaiming the oracles of God to the people of God based on the covenant God made with them. In Isaiah 9, we come to a a familiar passage in a beloved passage, but it's even more beautiful uh, as we remember the context of the passage. So it says this. Nevertheless, the gloom of the distressed land will not be like that of the former times when he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will bring honor to the way of the sea to the land east of the jordan and to galilee of the nations what the bible is saying in this passage was that initially the two northernmost tribes right so zebulun and naphtali right so remember book of joshua god um promises israel they'll come into the land joshua comes brings the people into the land he uh allots land to the 12 tribes of israel right so zebulun left naphtali naphtali uh were already at this time uh taken out by Assyria, they had already been invaded uh, by Assyria um, uh, early eighth century, seven thirty four, seven thirty two B.C. Right, and so we know later in seven twenty two, Assyria would take the whole northern, like right, all of the northern tribes away. Right, so he says, "Yo." Then in the rest of the verse, he comes back and he's like, "Yo, what God is going to do? He is going to bring honor where there was once humiliation." Right, God is going to bring honor where there was once humiliation. He also talks about the land east of the Jordan, by the way of the sea. He also talks about Galilee of the Gentiles. And um when Assyria invaded the land, what Assyria did was they they brought and popu- repopulated the land with Gentiles, right? And so you see this kind of reversal of the very blessing that God uh, gave to Israel in that he removed people from the land so that Israel could have the land. uh, But it got reversed. And when when Assyria came into the land and invaded Israel. And so what the Lord is saying is um, the most least likely area that was the most military oppressed and ultimately most influenced by pagans was the very place. Whereas God was going to bring honor and his glory and restoration. And that's a word to us, right? We, some of us live in places and in areas that are godless, that they that, 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 that don't want nothing to do with Jesus, right? Or we work or we play in areas that are dark, that are uh, far from the Lord. And God is saying, no, no, I can bring honor to those very places right? I can do, like I said before, some of my best work in those very places. And we know based on this passage that it was in the most le- least likely way. Right. The irony is that this prophecy, again, is to the tribe of Judah in the way he brings light to this darkness. Right. The light to this dark place, literally echoing the creation where he brought light out of darkness um, was by a person of Jesus Christ. Right. This same passage is quoted in the Gospels where Jesus comes and he's like, no, no, I'm bringing this light that the Lord had promised to bring in the book. Of Isaiah and he goes on and on to talk about how this is going to happen in verses 2 to 5 2 through 5 and what's interesting in this passage he's going to use past tense verbs right and this is what uh scholars have called the prophetic perfect and basically it's this way that the prophets listen speak in the past tense for events that's going to happen in the future I wish I had time to talk about today fam listen God's word is so certain that he can talk about things that he hasn't already done As if he has already done them. That's how certain God's word is. And he goes on to talk about this prophecy of this king who's going to come from the line of David for a child will be born for us. A son will be given to us. Don't miss that. He says a child will be born. But guess what? He's already a son before he even becomes a child. (laughs) I love it. For a child will be born for us. A son will be given to us to us this will be the son of god as we know in the new testament and the government will be on his shoulders he will be named wonderful counselor mighty god eternal father prince of peace the dominion will be vast and his prosperity will never end he will reign on the throne of david and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever check this the zeal of the lord of armies will accomplish this this everlasting king from the line of david is jesus is christ all right. This is the hope for Israel and Judah in Isaiah's time. And this hope and this prophecy has trickled down all the way to 2022 and the end of history. Right. God is, has set his Messiah, his King, Jesus, on the throne of David, and he will never be unseated. And the and the rest of the chapter goes on. And it doesn't end on a high note, so it comes off this high note, and it doesn't end on a high note, right? So, so he, so he goes on and talks about the sin of God's people, and it's highlighted in in the rest of the chapter, and it's marked by um, God is going to uh, uh, confront their sin by expressing the way in which His wrath and His judgment and His anger is against Israel, against His people. And we, we see that um, the way God brings his wrath is with his hand. Right. It's so interesting that he uses this language. God doesn't literally have a hand. God is spirit. But what he's using this language of hand, God is going to bring his hand against Israel is kind of echoing back to the Exodus. So remember, God brought them out with a strong hand, with a strong arm. And now here, that very hand is not going to be against or for them in salvation. It'll be against them in judgment. Re- remember, God's wrath comes upon his people, not because of lack of patience on his end, but because of lack of repentance on ours, right? We see this coming to fruition here in the text. He also talks about Ephraim and Manasseh, right? Who were uh, sons of Joseph, right? These two brothers, we know the Bible is this tale of brothers always fighting Ephraim and and Manasseh turned against each other. Um, And we see that the sin uh, between them, is uh causing uh distance uh between them as well and so we see all these things coming to the floor uh we have to remember that you know um the prophets are going to weave right oracles of judgment and oracles of salvation oracles of uh, humiliation and oracles of exaltation together oracles of curses and oracles of blessing together and they move in and out pretty quick so you have to be attentive as you pay attention in Isaiah 10 he comes and he's like yo woe to Assyria here's the oracle of judgment woe to Assyria the rod of my anger hmm, interesting language the staff in their hands is my wrath I will send him against a godless nation. I will command him to go against a people destined for my rage to take spoils to plunder and to trample them down like clay in the streets. Ironically, what God is saying is, no, no, no. Assyria is a rod. I'm using them. So I'm the God of the universe. I'm the God of the nations. I'm going to use a particular nation to bring judgment against my nation, my people. So he's going to use Assyria to carry out this judgment, right? And they are the rod in God's hand and it's so good because Yahweh is gonna say the Lord of the Bible, the God of the Bible is gonna say that they are a tool to bring judgment against my people. However, this is not their intention. It's so it's so much going on philosophically, right? He's saying no no I'm using Assyria to bring judgment, but Their intention is worse than that, right? They just want in their minds, military expansion. They want to conquer as much and as many nations as possible. And they are basically ancient bullies, (laughs) right? And so what God is saying, no, no, my intentions will override human intentions. We've talked about that before for my purposes and for my glory. Um, But because they are acting this way, because they just want military expansion and because they just want to oppress people, guess what? They can get it, too. Right. No, no. They can get it, too. Once again, for their pride and arrogance. God, the common denominator that brings God's judgment in this time is the pride of of people and the pride of nations. Right. Whether it's in Israel or whether it's in Assyria, God is this impartial God. Right. And so Assyria was known in this time for trampling on weaker nations as ancient bullies. And God hates that kind of behavior right so that's why he goes in all the way up to verse 19 and say they will be almost brought to nothing and then he weaves in from there in 21 he weaves in this prophecy of hope about the remnant of jacob the remnant of israel returning right israel even if your people were as numerous as the sand of the sea only a remnant of them will return so the lord promises that a select few will return back to him and this is good news right this is the restoration that god promises all throughout the prophets he will restore his people they will come back in the land and um listen like like the text is going to show us that god's people don't just go to judgment they actually go through judgment <laughs> they don't just go to judgment in the ot they go through it and we see this in the personal work of jesus right where he see receives the judgment of god right at the cross but He doesn't just go to it. He goes through it and he raises from the dead on the third day, which which flows excellently into the next chapter. Chapter 11, another prophecy about this Davidic king. Right. Once again, you want to learn a ton about Jesus in the gospel. Read the book of Isaiah. He says this in verse one. Then a shoot will grow from the stump of Jesse and a branch from his roots will bear fruit the spirit of the Lord will rest on him a spirit of wisdom and understanding a spirit of counsel and strength a spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord it's interesting because judgment in the book of Isaiah is usually depicted as the cutting down of trees right the cutting down of trees this is why he says from the stump of Jesse Remember, Jesse is David's father. So from the stump of Jesse will be this um, shoot, this shoot that will grow. Right. And what he's saying is the Davidic line was cut almost to nothing. But yet, by God's grace, it will have a small shoot. One king will be left that God is going to use to bring in this kingdom jesus in a sense represents the new life that comes from david's line that practically and for all intents and purposes died right and we have to remember the context right so um what's interesting about what isaiah is saying here in his own day was that all of this would happen after the exile after the people came back into The land. Right. And the gospel writers will bear this out and what they what they say uh, took place in Jesus. In other words, what God does in Christ is the ultimate answer to the exile that took place hundreds of years before Christ even came and notice how he says that he has the spirit right this king will have the spirit he will bear fruit right remember paul talks about the fruit of the spirit in uh, galatians chapter 5 he wasn't just making stuff up he has the holy spirit right and it's so practical listen think about this same spirit you have too listen it gives wisdom knowledge understanding strength counsel fear of the lord that same spirit that is going to empower the messiah matthew chapter 3 when he carries out his work on earth is the same one we have today church it's the same one i i love calling the, i love calling the people who listen in church it's the same one we have today right it's the same one the people of god have right and he goes on to say that he will carry out justice and righteousness uh for those who are oppressed a good way to model jesus is to lean into what the spirit is trying to do in our lives and then he goes on to say some interesting stuff as well man it's so much in uh, in chapter 11 he will strike the land with a scepter from his mouth and he will kill the wicked with a command from his lips uh, revelation will pick this text up and talk about the way that this same king will not just bring this grain and rule and salvation of god but he's also going to bring judgment <laughs> this is why paul is always like "Yo, yeah, don't know jesus christ the one who's going to judge the living and the dead. he's also jesus is not just coming to save folk Jesus is also coming to judge folk, right? Like those things have to be held in tension. God's prophecies in the old testament, especially in the book of Isaiah, were about judgment and salvation, right? And what Christ and what God is calling for us to believe and do is know, to humble ourselves before Him, submit to Him, so we can be the right on the right side of what Christ brings when he comes back. And here in the context, he's talking about Assyria and God's judgment of Assyria, in other words, was meant to point to this end time judgment, right? It's it's talking about the time now, but it goes so much further uh than that day as well. So he's like, No, 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 no oppressive regime or scheme or people group are getting away with uh the oppression of other human beings. And so the Lord is super clear here about that, and he goes on from there to talk about restoration and how this king is going to bring this restoration, how God's creatures will not be at hostility with with each other, uh, verses six through nine of chapter 11, anymore. And it will be like this new garden of Eden, right? And he talks about how, um, you know. He will be a banner for the peoples and the Gentiles, the nations will hope in him. And what he's saying is this future king who we know is King Jesus won't just reign in Israel, but throughout the whole world. Right. Um, He will be this new king over a new creation. Isaiah 12 comes and Isaiah 12 basically shows us that salvation always uh, results And singing. Right. When this beautiful picture of salvation, when God's victory takes place, this is going to result in worship for God's people. Right. And if you're listening to this podcast and you've placed faith in Jesus Christ and you've already experienced this in some sense, you have experienced the inward drawing and effectual calling of the spirit anointed justice serving in time. Christ, the end time Messiah from the line of David that saves and will judge the world. How amazing is that? Listen, God has fulfilled these promises and prophecies from thousands of years ago to you and I. And these truths, listen, these truths ought to lead us to trust him and to worship him forever. Let's pray. Father, we ask for your grace we pray that we will worship you because of what you're doing. We pray that we will worship you because of the way you fulfilled your word perfectly to a T. And Lord, we thank you that the story of the gospel, the message of the scriptures, uh, the history of redemption is something that none of us could have ever drawn up. And it's something that's some that uh that, that is better than we could have ever imagined. We praise you for today. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray.